Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Drivers, start your engines! What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. This is the Fantasy Alarm NASCAR DFS podcast brought to you through the Better Sports Network. I am Dan Mail, and I am joined, as always, by the FSWA three-time NASCAR Writer of the Year, Matt Sells. And Matt, we are back for another road course for the second straight week- weekend with two races to go uh, at Watkins Glen International. Uh, how are you feeling heading into this weekend? Uh, last weekend was kind of odd. We've seen chaos and a lot of cautions previously at uh, the last couple Indy road courses, and Last weekend, we had, an, for the most part, a very uh, green race. Like, in, just in terms of, like, long, very long green flag runs, was not expecting that. And Michael McDowell got his second career win in the Cup Series. Yeah. Uh, when you have more than, like, 90% of that race run under green and it's straight, like, Steve Letarte was like, we're going on an hour and 45 minutes of green flag racing. Like, that, I don't think anybody expected it at Indy Road. It's like going into a Talladega race and watching it be caution-free. Like, that doesn't happen, really. So, could we see more of the same this week at Watkins Glen? I fully expect that. I'm I'm not sure that there's going to be any cautions unless somebody breaks part of their car, like, on a curb or just gets wonky going downhill in turn one. Other than that, I don't know that we're going to see a whole lot of cautions, if any, this week. So, kind of building assuming that like last week we kind of built mostly for chaos with a little bit of oh well what if it goes green this week we're doing mostly if it goes green and then a little bit of well perhaps there's some chaos now with just two races left in the regular season we have Watkins Glen this week road course next week is Daytona Um, pretty wild way to end the season you know it that's Going to be the kind of race where anybody could win and punch their ticket into the postseason. Uh, Austin Dillon did that last year, I believe. Um, but, you know, we look at the standings. Who are some drivers that are kind of like right on that bubble? Uh, I know Chase Elliott is probably, I, I think the general consensus is that he can't point his way in at this oh, point. Oh, he has to win at this point. <clears throat> um, but like same thing with Alex Bowman. He's like 75 points back, I think. Okay. McDowell yeah. won, which crushed his point total. So at this point, it's a it's it's a win in your end situation for Chase Elliott and a few other drivers. Who are a couple other drivers that could possibly be racing for points this weekend? 
So the two main guys that we're focused on are the guys that are right on the bubble. Bubba Wallace is 16th in the points. He's 28 points to the good. Daniel Suarez is 28 points to the bad. So those two dudes uh, are going to be battling it out on the racetrack. And, you know, as much as you want to say you dislike Bubba Wallace or he stinks or whatever, he's really good at Daytona. If he goes in with a points lead at Daytona, it may be pretty hard for Daniel Suarez to make that up. So I would expect Suarez to be doing everything possible to try to get a points lead on uh, Bubba Wallace this week as opposed to waiting for something. Obviously, anything can happen at Daytona, right? We've seen guys who have won four straight plate races wreck out in the first six laps of those races, right? Um, But if Wallace goes into Daytona – with a points lead, it might be pretty tough for uh, Suarez to make it up. Now, could there be a new winner? Sure. It's Daytona. Anybody can win. And guess what? This year they got rid of the top 30 points rule. So if you win and you're outside the top 30 points and you're a full-time driver, you make the playoffs. Um, could that happen here? Sure. A.J. Allmendinger is a guy that needs a win to make it at this point. Chase Elliott needs a win to make it at this point. Um, you know, there's a, there's a couple other guys who are close to the points. Um, and not having stage breaks is, is going to be very interesting to watch who chases points at stage ends and who doesn't. Now, uh, I guess just refocusing our attention back onto Watkins Glen, uh, as you just said, no stage breaks. Um, that was kind of brutal last week for DFS without any cautions. Uh, do you think that we could see a relatively greener race for Watkins Glen? I think yes, just because when you – I don't recall Watkins Glen having a ton of cautions. This isn't this isn't really like a super technical road course. It, it is almost two and a half miles in length. It's got, you know, technically 11 turns, but there are some S's in there. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of like a broader wide sweeping road course and you can complete a lap in about 70 to 72 seconds. Uh, so <clears throat> with no cautions, uh, at stage breaks, um, do we think that this could be a pretty clean race and do we necessarily need to be going for so many drivers that are starting in the back offering a bunch of PD? Because honestly, it's, it's, Kevin Harvick is in the exact same spot that he was in a week ago. Right. Um, car was awful. He's not a good road course driver. And yet people are going to see the name and the fact that he's starting outside the top 30 and they're just going to want to plug him in again. Yeah. I mean, you have to go back to 2016 at Watkins Glen for there to be more than five cautions in a race. Now, last year there were five. However, two of those were stage breaks. So there are only three natural cautions. Before that, you had four cautions. So only two of those are natural cautions. And same thing. Like, back in 2017, there's three cautions. Okay, this is not a track that produces a ton of cautions, uh, typically speaking, unless there's weather, which we don't expect there to be weather issues. Okay. Now, one thing that the green flags can do is readjust fuel mileage which we have seen here in the past. We've seen fuel mileage races in the past. In fact, I'm pretty sure that Chase Elliott's first win came because Truex was running out of fuel and had to save or ran out of fuel just before the end um, a few years ago. 
Uh, we've seen Kyle Larson pull off a fuel mileage win here. So that's one thing to keep in mind is that if it goes green, you're burning fuel at a faster rate than if you get some caution laps where you can save fuel. So keep that in mind. It might force a little bit more short pitting than we're used to seeing, but I agree. It's going to be pretty hard to pass. Uh, I think everybody on the broadcast, including some of the drivers, were saying, you know, if this plays out like last week, qualifying is more important this week than last week because we know to expect a clean race and it's tough to pass in green conditions unless you absolutely outweigh somebody on pit road, which just doesn't, doesn't really happen in the NASCAR cup series. So I agree. I'm not really a fan of the stack the back or try to go for massive PD here. Um, I would say that generally speaking, I mean, again, if we go back to 2016, every winner, since the 2016, including 2016, has come from the top six starting spots. So, and you had Larson win it from fourth or from second last year, fourth the year before. Chase Elliott won it from the pole. He won it from third the year before that. Truex won it from third, and Hamlin won it from sixth. So, track position matters here. I don't. I don't think we're going to see people pit to give it up. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned the top six because when we look at the top six for this race, uh, we are looking at drivers like Denny Hamlin and William Byron, who are on the front row. Uh, Michael McDowell starts P3. Ty Gibbs starts P4, which is kind of interesting. And he's, he won last week's Xfinity Series race at Indy, uh, finished 12th last week in the Cup Series race. And then in the third row, we get Kyle Larson and AJ Allmendinger. So there are obviously drivers in great equipment. Drivers that we've seen have a ton of success on road courses. Um, <clears throat> curious who you're landing on that may or who could be your pick to win this race, especially with, you know, Michael McDowell who qualified P3 and his price got juiced all the way to 9,600 on DraftKings. Who would you say is probably the, the driver you think can pull out the win uh, starting in the top six? Or would you want to expand it to the fourth row and maybe go with someone like Tyler Reddick who has a very fast car? I, I think we can find a winner from the top six. Um, Tyler Reddick does have a fast car, but I'm just a little iffy on his recent Born. results and lack of consistency, if we want to put that out there. Um, I, it's hard not to look at Byron and go, geez, that guy was lightning fast like every lap at practice. Like... Denny had to put down the lap of his life to hold off Byron on the pole. Is basically how it came down, what it came down to. So that being said, I do think people will save the couple hundred bucks and go with Byron over Hamlin. I do agree because even during practice, and yeah. I mentioned this before. So the pra the broadcast noted that at the time, I think Byron had run maybe. 10 laps and if you took the average of his 10 laps and he had run that average for all of his laps he would have been seventh fastest compared to ever to everyone else's fastest lap right and so that just speaks to the consistent speed that his car has and you you hope that it shows up again on sunday and you know nothing Bizarre happens, but at 8,800 for a guy that's starting on the front row who everyone has seen has speed, uh, yep. his ownership will be juiced extensively. Um, I'm totally fine playing because, you know, we don't also necessarily consider William Byron a, a great
great road course racer by any means. Yeah, but you can't deny the speed. I mean, he moved up 25 spots last week. Yeah. So he was the chalk play, and he lived up to it. So, um, but by the way, what's up with DK? Like, William Byron was 8,900 last week at Indy Road. Started 39th, was everybody's favorite chalk play. Finished 14th, and his price went down Drops. by 100 <laughs> this week. It went, it went down. He put up 54 points, and his price went down. Uh, I don't know. It's very interesting how they're calculating this stuff, but um, I think Almendinger always has a shot on a road course. I know last week was a horrible week for him. It happens. Can't be great all the time, but he does have a win at Watkins Glen. He did look pretty quick in practice. Uh, he was getting after it pretty good. He does need a win to make the playoffs. He's not a guy who can point his way in. This is basically his last good shot. Um, to make the playoffs and make everybody forget about the stupid decision at Richmond. Um, you know, he's got Ty Gibbs who could sit there and sneak a win and just sit there and keep pounding out. Um, like if it comes down to it, let's, let's game this out, right? Let's say that Byron has faded a little bit down the stretch, right? And McDowell is what he is. Okay. And Gibbs is challenging Denny Hamlin for the lead. Do you think that JGR invokes team orders like we see in F1? Um, to give up the spot because Ty Gibbs doesn't have a spot in the playoffs and Denny does. And getting Denny or getting Ty Gibbs into the playoffs is valuable for JGR. Knowing that Bubba, who's on the bubble, still has a shot at Daytona to get another Toyota into the playoffs. I think it would be interesting, and I don't know also, if Denny, Denny would... doesn't have a contract for next year right now. For JGR. Yeah, I don't know if Denny would necessarily. Uh... He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that would go against team orders, but at the same time, like what? I I also don't. I, he would be aggressively against it, obviously. Uh, but I also think that it would be interesting that, you know, uh, JGR was in position to have uh, two drivers in the Xfinity Series championship race last year until Ty Gibbs uh, punted, moved, his punted his own teammate just so he could get a win after Gibbs was already locked into the championship four for Phoenix. So I think that would be kind of ironic. But knowing that, who's to say he wouldn't move Denny Hamlin out of the way if this scenario did play out? I mean, he could, right? Yeah, and right. <laughs> fighting for a playoff berth. He would cement than... himself as the ultimate villain. And I'm not saying like Denny Hamlin. Well, like, no, not, idea, I mean, but... I don't know, man. I'd get some respect for Ty Gibbs if he punched Denny Hamlin <laughs> out of the way. But it's, you can't really fault Gibbs at that point because now he's fighting for a playoff berth rather than letting his teammate have a playoff berth so that he could have the, like, Ty Gibbs just wanted to win over. I don't know. Yeah. Um, not saying it plays out that way, but it'd be very interesting to see what would ha like, would Denny make him? <clears throat> it's a fun scenario. Yeah. Um, so how are we just assuming that Chase Elliott, and Martin Truex Jr. are cash game locks? They both, they yeah. start 15th and 19th respective. So, okay. So we don't really need too much analysis. We kind of know that. No, I mean, everybody, great... I mean, Chase Elliott has seven career road course wins. This is probably his last great shot for winning his way into, I mean. He could win Daytona. 
I guess. We've seen Hendrick do it before in the last race of the regular season. Um, but this is his last best shot, and Truex won at Sonoma. Yep. Um, so, and was pretty quick. Both both guys were pretty quick last week at Indy Road. Chase, if that race had gone two, maybe three laps longer, Chase Elliott probably wins that race over McDowell. He was catching him. So, if you're starting with those two in a cash game, now we got to get tricky. You got to pick either Denny or or Byron. I'm not sure you're playing both in a cash game. You got to pick one to get you your laps led. I'm probably going with Byron. I'll probably go with Byron too. And then that's leaving us with 6,500 bucks for the last three, like on average for the last three spots. This is where it gets interesting. So the pricing has been out since what, Tuesday? Tuesday evening, I think, is when it dropped. The consensus was that it was pretty aggressive and everybody liked it. It was aggressive and it was tight. And now qualifying has happened (laughs) and it got tighter. I didn't think it could, but it got like, there is very slim pickings below 7,000 this week. Yeah. For guys that I trust on a road course. Like, maybe it. I And I'm not sure how many of them are cash game plays, to be perfectly honest. I hate Harvick. Not, uh, not as yeah. a human being, but. Harvick's uh, well, a <laughs> lovely human being. But yeah. For this week, uh, no go. I, but I think if he just and I said this before the podcast, I don't I'm not playing him in tournaments uh, because he's, he's not good on road courses. The car was terrible in practice. Uh, but if he just does what he did last week and just kind of moves out throughout the race, he wasn't great last week, but he gained 15 spots of PD just by hanging out and driving around uh, cars that were having issues. Uh, if he does that again, he's perfectly fine in cash games. So I, I'm. Finding cash games, I don't like playing them in tournaments because I don't think there's much of a ceiling. So I went and put two budget dudes in. And now for the last spot, I have 8200 bucks, which does get us into the Horvick range. It also gets us Chastain, Bowman. I would Jones. go Bowman. You would do Bowman over Harvick. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I thought we were having we had both Harvick and Bowman. Um, I mean, uh, no, I do. Like... I have so the two budget guys I put in there were Lejoy and Austin Dillon. Okay. Which leaves one spot, and I've got 8,200 bucks, which puts us in the Ross Chastain, Alex Bowman, Logano, Harvick, Blaney, Briscoe, Keselowski. I guess Bubba. Bowman is a good way to probably assuming. 50 to 60% of cash game lineups have Harvick. Bowman is probably my preferred pivot off him in that kind of contest because he finished fifth last week. We yep. know he needs a win. Um, yep. He's yep. even running the Xfinity Series race in about 15 minutes. We're recording this at about quarter after three on Saturday. Um, so I don't hate Bowman just because I know that there is kind of a desperation play there and he knows he either needs a win. He needs a win. He, a strong finish isn't going to do it for him. So I expect him to do anything he can to be gaining track position throughout the race. Yeah, and he if finished he's, third at Coda for what it's worth. What's that? Is that he finished third at Coda, hung yeah. basically about where he started at Sonoma. Um, you know, very... Chicago, I'm not counting because that was just a cluster across the board for a lot of dudes. Yeah. Um, so you would take – I also think that Bowman is an interesting pivot off of Chastain. Is he, though? Like, is is Chastain going to get that much exposure? 
It's been terrible since Nashville. I mean, he finished second at Michigan and 17th last week. Is that good? No, I mean, no, not really. He put up 34 <laughs> last week on a road course. Um, but people seem to really like Chastain for some reason. Finished I don't really know what's happened to that team, but since he won Nashville, they've just been – it's like, you know, they're seniors in high school and they are just coasting to the coasting. end of the year. Yep. Senioritis. Um, he finished for the Coda – I mean, I don't know. I'm with you. I'm kind of iffy on Chastain, but I'm just saying there there is history there that would, I think, intrigue people for four extra spots of PDE for 200 extra bucks. Sure, I get it, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm with you on Harvick and Cash if he can just coast it and basically pick up 15, point, or 15 spots and Cash are fine in GPPs. I think there's no leverage in playing Kevin Harvick. In, in, in a GPP, to be honest, because I mean, if you're gonna play Kevin Harvick, I'd rather take a shot that like Keselowski could figure it out, or Blaney could figure it out on a road course, or heck, Eric Jones that last week was just <laughs> a weird week, and he's back to being a decent road course racer. Yeah, like. Uh, I'm with you on the on the lack of leverage for Kevin Harvick. You know who I'm honestly kind of intrigued with this week? And I think he's going to be an interesting tournament play. And I don't I, – I completely had this guy off my radar in practice. But I'm really interested in Joey Logano because he is 7,800. Everybody that's priced around him starts behind him. And – yeah. <clears throat> Like no one's going to play him when they could go to Bowman or Harvick or even his teammate Ryan Blaney or Cindric. Like he starts P11 and he's 7,800, which is already too cheap for a driver of Logano's caliber. And started 20th in this race last year, finished third, won stage two. The year before he won stage one, uh, but he started second in that race anyway. But he had a 114 driver rating, led 15 laps in this race a year ago. And that team will do something to put them in position in stage three to be running well. Now, obviously, if he has an issue, Rex, whatever, it's whatever. He's done. You just need him not to be playing bumper cars like he was last week at Indy when the race started. Yeah, but he's – He sent it into turn one and bounced off three people, including his teammate. Yeah, but he gets 45 points with no dominator points if he finishes top five. No one's gonna play him. No, not I, I don't think so. Not after last week's debacle. Um, yeah. You make, and I, you make, I, I would go ahead. Sorry, you make a reasonable point that for a GPP now by playing him in cash. No. Yeah. Right. No, I agree. Because <laughs> there's a reason <laughs> he sends it into turn one and he's gonna finish twenty eight. Yeah. Right. But if he holds his spot. It moves up, let's say, finishes seventh. There's enough points there. Yeah. Ugh. I, I mean, I, I want to so re- rewatch let, practice. But let's refresh wanna... what you look for in your drivers. You're not going for value this week because Correct. the number of laps 
and the the race flow distorts how you can look at value on a road course. You personally like to see 40 points, 40 DK points from a driver. Uh, I like getting 40 points minimum from each driver. Right. And obviously you need the winner. And if they lead laps and win the race, they're, they're probably getting between 50 and 60 points. Um, but it's, I do like having, you know, I mean, at minimum 40 points. Dowell started fourth last week, one, had 54 laps <clears> up and put up 62 points in a similar length race to what we have on Sunday, which is last week's was 82 laps. This week's is 90. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. You can, I mean, that's a dominating performance. He led more than half the, he led like 60% of that race. Yeah. With only two fastest laps. It was insane. Yeah. That's, that's surprising. That tells you the car, uh, it was more the track that was helping him than the car that was helping right. him. Because I bet you Chase Elliott had a bunch of fastest laps last week. So, uh, go ahead. I was going to say he had Chase Elliott had eight last week, eight fastest laps. So, what was it probably 10%? Well, Almondinger had most of them because he had that issue early and then had an absolute rocket ship the rest of the race where he was running yeah, 21 fastest laps. Yeah. Um, all right, so now we had 21 fastest laps and only scored 25 points. <laughs> yeah, started and finished 26. Uh, but we we get down to the value tier and it does get a little bit murky. We don't, it's it's a good this is where tournaments are probably going to be won and lost, just nailing the right value plays that, yeah, finish well. Um, I think we're both on. Austin Dillon, not in cash games, uh, but 6,300 starting P16. He is kind of an unheralded and underrated road course driver. Started P27 last week and finished 16th. Obviously, uh, doesn't have as much PD at his disposal this time around. Um, but I think he has a top 10. Uh, I'm not going to guarantee it, but there's top 10 equity here with Austin Dillon, I think. Yeah, he's posted a 20 – he's finished top 10 in 20% of the road courses in the Gen 7 car. He also has a P11 in that span. He's been running fast enough to, to nail a couple others before fading um, a little bit. He ran well here last year, if memory serves. Um, so, yeah, he's he's got a shot. Another guy that intrigues me down in this part is Justin Haley. Go on. He ran a sneaky fast practice. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I know that that's not a lot to go on, but sometimes you got to do the eye test for that particular weekend and I just know. say, screw it, we're rolling with, with – like, there's not very many other options, to be perfectly honest. And Justin yeah. had a terrible I... weekend. But I think part of that was Logano. Logano may have hit him. <laughs> that may have been one of the guys that Logano hit. Um, it was not a very good race weekend uh, at Indy Road last week. He did have a very good Chicago road course, uh, a street course race. Um, he ran decently at Sonoma. So, like, he does have uh, some good results on road courses in the Xfinity series. He almost won the Indy road course. I think the first one they ever ran in the Xfinity series. Uh, and Hey, he 
was well, leading laps at Chicago, as bizarre as that race was. But like, I'm I'm just of the mindset where I can't shake this thought in my head that the team isn't sabotaging him, but they're doing more to help AJ Allmendinger than him at this point. I mean, sure, but his practice speed was better than twentieth. His lap <sighs> averages put him like. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I can't argue with you there. I mean, if we, I want to see if NASCAR <clears throat> put their uh, lap averages up this week because they failed at an epic uh, level last week and never put practice lap averages up. Um, so let's here we go. It looks like they are in fact up. So yeah, Almendinger had the fastest overall lap average. For sure. But if you do um, comparisons, Justin Haley's lap averages weren't all that bad. I think he gets docked because he had a couple of slow outlaps. But if you look at um, Nick Givens' flags ratings, Justin Haley is right there with Ryan Blaney Speed, Alex Bowman, who we just talked about, a tick behind Chase Elliott. So I think there's some value here and a little bit of leverage on Justin Haley. I'm not not fully behind it. I'm just saying we got to get weird in this range. Right. Everybody we like is above 8K. <laughs> so you're going to have to get weird and get a little uncomfortable in your lineup building this week. Um, Ryan Priest, no. Just I don't care that he's starting in the 30s. No. <laughs> he's a short tracker, not a road course racer. Um, Mike Rockefeller went out and qualified 21st. That's a little high for me to be playing him, to be perfectly honest. I was hoping that's where he would finish. Not yeah, play. that's uh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You want to get really weird and pair, like, Eric Jones and Ricky Stenhouse together? <laughs> um, I don't Last week. Jones had, like, a shifting issue, issue or something very yeah. early, right? Yeah. I think I'd be okay going back to him. Um, I do do it. Like the logic was there to play him last week and he's in. Yeah. And it's, it's there to play him again this week and you know, speed be damned. Like it just hasn't been there for that team, but he's moved up everywhere else. Like it's a road course and I don't associate Eric Jones with being a road ringer, but who knows? Like he can move up and maybe steal a top 25, top 20 finish. Yeah. I mean, is his, again, if we go back to Nick Giffen's flags, which, Thank you very much, uh, Nick Giffen. If you guys aren't following Rotodoc on Twitter, you should be. Uh, it's a great follow. Very good betting uh, advice from that guy. Yeah, well. he's also got a PhD in math. So anytime yeah. you bet with a formula, you should just trust <clears throat> it. Um, he puts Eric Jones's speed kind of in the middle of the pack, like top 20 basically. So um, I'm fine with that. There's some PD there. All right. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time this week. Best of luck to you and the FA Nation at Watkins Glen International. We'll be back next to preview the season finale at Daytona. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on prize picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. 
easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.